Listening Dog Media. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The Athletic. Hello and welcome back to The Offside Rule, where we meet once again on a weekly basis to have a chat and a laugh while breaking down well, some of the biggest debates in football. On today's episode, ahead of the FA Cup fourth round this weekend, uh, we're going to be analysing the position of the FA Cup competition within the game. Is it a dying competition? What can we do to save it? Does there need to be reform or actually should it remain sacrosanct? Uh, to answer all those questions and more, a little bit later on, we'll be speaking to the Athletics Football News reporter, Phil Buckingham, who covers a lot of FA Cup action and the BBC commentator Vicky Sparks. But first, let's say hello to the duo that are my trio, the other members of the Dream Team, the woman who's broken, first of all, more news stories than I've had hot dinners. It's Hayley McQueen. Hello, Hayley. Oh, hello, everyone. Thank you for listening. I wonder if she's got deadline day fatigue. We'll ask in a minute. Uh, and the third member of the Three Musketeers, no doubt, enjoying life a little bit more. Now her beloved Wolves are showing some signs of improvement uh, and <laughs> signing a few Not players at the as well. No. <laughs> oh, yes, oh. we'll ignore that one. Uh, it's the effervescent Lindsay Hooper. Hi, Linz. Hello. You can just call me my... Michael Fish this week. Do you remember him, the weather presenter? Yes, yes. yes. I, I'm constantly on weather apps checking for snow and frozen pitches. Mm-hmm. Well, hang on and, there, Lindsay, yeah. because we've got something for you. Well, now they know. Let it go, let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. Let it go. Let yes, it that's go. right. Lindsay Hooper's got <laughs> frozen pitches. <laughs> Uh, on the brain, let it go, yeah. Lindsay. And I had to let it go. Yes, yes, yes you did. To, because I, I was meant to be last night doing soccer special from Swindon. But mm-hmm. yeah, it got called off. So game cancelled. Game oh. cancelled on Sunday as well in WSL. Brighton against Arsenal at Crawley. 
Game cancelled. Mm. Yeah. In fact, to let it go, Kate. Yes. Emma Hayes, the Chelsea manager, is not happy at all because their game was called off, what, just six minutes in, Lindsay, wasn't it? Chelsea's game against Liverpool on Sunday, abandoned yeah. after six minutes. Uh, and there's been a lot of chat about how this just isn't acceptable mm. in professional well, football. This is, it would be remiss of me not to point towards the Athletic Women's Football podcast, which is out this week, because we mm-hmm. talk about this. We start off the show talking about that game that was abandoned after six minutes. But the one thing for any audience that are listening right now that don't listen to that one that I want to put straight is when Emma Hayes was speaking to the press afterwards and saying about needing under soil heating and we've had other sectors saying the same you know the people that they're speaking to isn't the league it it's their own club owners they're the people that need to provide that so I I have a bit Mm. of sympathy for the FA you know they provided all the covers they provided the the heating that um, the blowers that wasn't provided by the clubs that was provided by the FA and and yeah, maybe there is work that they can still do to set the standard. But I think overall, the clubs need to pull their socks up and say, right, if we're really supporting the women's, and then we've got to invest. And, and I find it strange that, you know, going public, speaking generally about it, you know, and, and that game as well, the final thing to say is that the referee, it really was their decision. And there will have been pressure, I'm sure, from the BBC, as we would have done at Sky, to get an early verdict yeah so you shouldn't really be testing out a pitch during a game should you there there you know should be means in place um to i mean perhaps they were hoping that it would thaw out in the few minutes before kickoff i mean you you know games were cancelled up and down the country games in the championship were cancelled yeah 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 exactly from that um from that level down so it shouldn't it shouldn't have been rocket science really should it um hayley i know you've been a busy bee Uh, the last time we spoke Mm. you were actually a bit nervous um about this big event a big deadline day special um for you and all your colleagues at Sky Sports with Jamie Carragher. Tell us how it went. It was really good fun. It was great. He was very, very candid. It was a staff event. Didn't realise it was actually being filmed, but luckily I had brushed my hair, made myself. <laughs> I thought you were going to say brushed your teeth. Jamie, we're on a stage. <laughs> well, you know, you're lucky if that happens. I quite often just do that when I get to work, rolling in in my pajamas. No word of a lie. It was good fun. He was great. He was very, very open. Um, we were only going to clip up Are we up allowed to know any of these maybe. things, Hayley, or not? Yeah, as, in, as so, in Chatham House rules, lips are sealed, or can you reveal no, a bit? No, it wasn't. So we actually ran a little bit on Sports News, but the, the problem with this was we went into it discussing a lot about Everton because it was the day that Frank Lampard was sacked. We were kind of waiting possibly for the news and we talked a lot about Everton and by the time we'd left the cinema it was in the cinema in Sky this auditorium and walked out the door lo and behold we looked up onto one of the big screens in in the forum and he'd already been sacked I was like oh there you go there's your answer so the discussion that we'd had for the last half an hour it was old news so luckily we weren't filming it and and saving it to put out on air a little bit later but one of the things that he'd said that I was really surprised about he did think that Frank had to go he just said it was you know it was a a no-brainer and he really really felt for him Everton actually had got in touch with him about some comments that he had made live on Sky um he'd said And this was on the Monday Night Football that he appeared on after I did this afternoon session with him. He said, you know, he said, I said on this Monday Night Football about six, 12 months ago, Everton are the worst run club in the country. (laughs) He said it wasn't a flippant remark. I believe it. I still believe it. He said, and I'm not saying that as an ex-Liverpool player. I'm saying it as an ex-Everton fan. 
<gasps> yes, of course. X, yeah. Do you find it's mm. like he, mm. it's his boyhood club. He loves them. I, I do believe he's got a tattoo of them on his body somewhere, which is <laughs> so the rumor goes. Wear the long sleeve shirt. Yeah. Um, he said when I made that comment, he said Everton actually got in touch with me. He said, but you know what? I admired it. He said they're actually on the front foot trying to defend their club. He said, okay, we sometimes say things in the media and the people come back at you. He said, but I don't think I was wrong when I said it then, and I'm absolutely not wrong now I've said it now and he he just ab he was scathing of Everton he basically said if they go down it served themselves right he said Goodness it's me. it's their own fault basically I know yeah. I know so there were mm. you know we clearly clearly massive restrictions that Frank Lampard had to had to work under he's gone the man rumoured to replace him even before Lampard had gone actually was uh, Marcelo mm. Bielsa, the former Leeds manager. But we hear that he has his reservations, fair enough, um, about joining the I'm club. Surprised. So Yes. As we record this, uh, no manager in place still, which makes the decision uh, for him to go perhaps a little bit more bizarre. And then, Lindsay, lots of rumours about Farhad Mashiri, the Everton owner, putting the club up for sale. That was the story on Tuesday, Tuesday evening, Wednesday morning, today. Um, apparently, he's not putting the club up for sale. So there are loads of stories swirling around, not only about the future of the club and the side and which manager will come in, hopefully, to save them. Maybe Sam Allardyce is on standby, who knows? Um, <laughs> but, but loads of questions about the ownership of the club and the running of the club as well. You mentioned Sam Allardyce. He spoke out, didn't he, about, about the way that mm. Everton is run and how they, he, in his opinion, they've been getting through managers too quickly. Eight managers, isn't it, um, now that Lampard's gone. And you look at the names of those managers, you think if... Carlo Ancelotti, Rafa Benitez, they even had Marcus Silva in there, obviously, for, for a little while, but Sam Allardyce before that. If, Ronald Koeman. Ronald Koeman, yeah. I mean, come on, if these managers cannot do anything with everything, and they're all facing the same problems, you're going to need freaking Harry Potter in there to save them. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't think he's available. <laughs> no, yeah. he's retired. <laughs> um, in terms of, of the sale of the club as well, I do wonder whether some of these news stories materialise off the back of... Look at what happened with the board being threatened. There are people that I think at Everton right now are, are really quite scared about the situation. I thought that Frank Lampard, he, I don't know if you saw this video as well, he got questioned ahead of the last game in the team hotel by some Everton fans and they ended up being really friendly mm. about it. But he looked terrified to me. I, I think there's, there's also mm. a fear going through the club and I don't know whether that helps in culture with trying to achieve... Mm some results and, and stave off relegation right now. It feels like everyone needs to come together right, rather than finger pointing. It's difficult to say when it's your club mm. and you want an ownership change. I understand all of that. But um, I've said it before and I, and, and I will say this again on record. Yes, they are a massive club. I do not agree with this setting fireworks off outside team hotels. I just think it's not good mm -hmm. sportsmanship. And for that reason, mm -hmm. if that carries on from a certain section of supporters, I want them to go down because I don't like that. I do not like it at all. Mm -hmm. that's, that's interesting. Look, um, we had the same in the women's game as well uh, with Everton not supporting their women's side, issues within the ownership, within, within the running of the club. And look, it would be a sorry, sorry tale uh, if they were relegated because of the history of the club. But maybe that 
maybe that reset is needed. It's just at what expense? How many casualties are you picking up uh, along the way that then have to be corrected, have to be mended over the years to come? Uh, We'll round up the chat there. Uh, Just a quick look ahead. Of course, we're going to be discussing the FA Cup. We'll do that in just a minute's time. A reminder, though, first of all, that you can subscribe to the Offside Rule via your favourite podcasting app or platform. You can find us on Twitter at Offside Rule Pod. And why not check out our brilliant website, OffsideRulePodcast.com. Okay, so we're going to focus on the FA Cup for today's episode and question really whether it's running as efficiently as it should be. What does the future of the FA Cup look like? Just because it has a rich history, does that mean uh, that we should leave it alone or should there be reform to certain parts of it? Should there be radical reform? even. Uh, This, of course, inspired by the FA Cup fourth round this weekend. Uh, That kicks off with Manchester City hosting Arsenal on Friday. So a big fixture there. 11 games on Saturday, three on Sunday. And we've got some fifth tier involvement as well this weekend. Accrington Stanley versus Leeds. Wrexham are playing Sheffield United. And then the final tie on Monday as Derby County host West Ham. So some tasty fixtures to look forward to. But when we take a a step away from the immediate action, um, how do we feel about the future of the FA Cup? Let's discuss them with Phil Buckingham, who's a news reporter for The Athletic, and he covers the FA Cup extensively. Hello, Phil. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Good. It's really nice to speak to someone actually uh, on the ground reporting on the FA Cup year in, year out. Just from your distant assessment first, I suppose, before we go into more detail, is the FA Cup as popular as it ever was? Are there dissenting voices from fans who'd like to modernise it? How do you generally feel that the competition is received by fans? Well, it depends who you're a fan of. If, If you look at the elite clubs... I think you have to say that the FA Cup comes a very distant third now. Um, Premier League, Champions League and then way down the pecking order in, in, in what constitutes a successful season would be um would be the Premier would sorry, would be the FA Cup. And that's the its values diminished over the years. Um possibly from the nineties you can you can see its value start to dip. What clubs see a success in a season isn't the FA Cup anymore. It, if you, if you looked at the 70s and 80s and you won the FA Cup, that was undoubtedly a, a successful season. Now, that's not to say that wouldn't be the case for a, a middling Premier League club, perhaps like a, a Leicester or an Aston Villa. If they win the FA Cup, it's fantastic. But at the same time, those clubs don't put all their energies into winning the FA Cup anymore. They Their their sole focus is staying in the Premier League. So you've got... No matter where you are in the football pecking order, you've usually got something more important to focus on. And and that's the sadness of why the FA Cup's diminished. Even clubs in the top end of the Championship, if they see the chance to get into the Premier League where the riches are infinitely more than they can than hope to earn in the Championship, they will, they will prioritise promotion out of the Championship and... And the, and the FA Cup will, will be the, the thing that they make all the changes for. And, and if they get knocked out, it's not the end of the world. The FA Cup really matters to the clubs lower down because that's where the financial incentives are. You know, if a Boreham Wood last year, for example, made over a, a, a million pounds getting to the, to the fifth round and... And that's transformational money for a club at that level. I mean, Phil, I'm a Man United fan and I still absolutely love the FA Cup. You could say that might be an age thing. And I think actually the FA Cup, as you kind of mentioned there, it's the the, the third 
most important or maybe least important of all the cup competitions. But when Manchester United weren't playing in the Champions League, it did suddenly become all that little bit more important. And I did actually notice in terms of build up, particularly on Sky, look, we don't have the rights, so we're not able to cover an awful lot. But it did feel like there wasn't as much build up. There wasn't as much excitement from broadcasters. Do journalists and broadcasters actually show the same interest in covering the FA Cup? And how do you think that's that's actually changed? Well, if you go back to the to the 70s, 80s and 90s and the FA Cup breakfast and the, the helicopters would follow the coaches to the ground, the, 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 the broadcast would last six or seven hours, wouldn't it? And, and the whole of the country, and I don't think it's any exaggeration to say the whole of the country would be gripped by this. I think it was the 1970 FA Cup final is still a record for, for viewers in, in the UK, something like tw- 27 million viewers to watch that game. And that is just phenomenal numbers. I think... I think the most recent FA Cup final I saw the details for was was Leicester's during the COVID era. Um, And I think the viewing figures even then were still 11 million. So you can't deny that there's still an interest in the FA Cup. And because it's on terrestrial TV, because everyone can still watch it, there is interest. But I I do think there's a certain predictability about the FA Cup that doesn't help it either. I I think 24 of the last 27 finals have been won by one of the big six. And that... So that that tells you that tells you it still matters, and it tells you that it's still something worth winning. But it also it also tells you that it's, it, it, it can be a bit predictable at, at, at the bottom end. At, sorry, at the the very end of the tournament. I'm going to dive right in, Phil, and ask about the League Cup um, and whether that is some sort of distraction from the FA Cup, and whether we need both of them anymore. You know, if we have come to a day and age where things have clearly moved on. If we're looking at ranking order, I, I would argue that the League Cup comes below the FA Cup. And if we're trying to have this distraction technique of too many competitions and scheduling debates, is there even room for two two cup competitions like that? Well, that's that's been the debate, uh, certainly among the elite clubs for the last five or six years. And, and, and if there is an expendable competition, it's certainly the League Cup Um when we look at the, the the reform debate that's going on in English football at the minute, I, th- I think the, the, certainly the big six clubs would, would gladly sacrifice the League Cup. Now, you saw what the League Cup meant to Newcastle United last night. Um, the the 3,200 3, of their supporters have, have travelled the length of the country to watch a semi-final. And if they win the League Cup, it'll be one of the most famous moments in, in their history, I would argue. But if, if you only have to look at the way most big six teams approach the League Cup. It, it's it's an unnecessary distraction to most of them. Now, that's not to say that Liverpool didn't have great fun winning the competition last year and, and Manchester City in the years before that, but the League Cup is certainly the one that feels in greatest danger because, as well, the, the financial incentive just isn't there. The winners of the League Cup get a couple of hundred thousand pounds. At least with the FA Cup, the, the prize money is significant. I think the winners this year get close to four million. Which is which yeah. is mo- which is money worth having, but I'd, you can put it a different way and say that that's probably two places in the Premier League in terms of of payments of of, of where, where clubs will earn their money at the end of a season. We we will come back to the FA Cup um, again. I just wanted to say that I had I had actually had an idea over this, Phil, and and I, I think I raised it on Fighting Talk with Here Colin Murray. <laughs> Yeah, but and Colin actually said, "Oh no, that wouldn't work." And I can't remember what his reasoning was, but it makes sense to me that if the Premier League table, if you divide it into top half and bottom half, and the top ten like go into the FA Cup, 
Yeah. Top leading 10 the way. Places leading the go way. Go to the FA Cup <laughs> and the bottom 10 go into the League Cup and then the top 10 don't even go in the League Cup. Um, and it gives a chance for a, for a lesser Premier League club to win a trophy, for instance. I, I thought there was quite a lot of value in that and splitting it so that you, you didn't have to have teams going in both. But I think what Colin was saying to me from memory was that people would try and fix whether they came 11th or 9th. Oh, OK. It also devalues oh. perhaps one of the competitions, doesn't it? If you're saying that you don't get a chance to play some of those big um, top four five sides, the chance of a cup upset, uh, the chance of getting you know more crowds into your ground. Surely it then devalues one of the competitions if you don't have yeah. the big boys in the Certainly the, the FA Cup, because the, the, the upsets, I guess, you're going to probably know more about this accurately Phil but I, I imagine they come against the lesser Premier League teams not the not the top six yeah and I think if I think an answer to the League Cup solution would, would perhaps be to to remove the big six if they're the ones that don't really want to be involved in it but then that it almost marks the beginning of the end of the competition because if, if you remove because whether we like it or not that those big six still add an awful lot of value to the competition and that's why it's sold around the world and that that's how the AFL gets its broadcast figures because it can ultimately show a final between Liverpool and Chelsea and, and it's got huge global appeal then if if the final every year is i don't know if pluck two teams out of thin air Southampton versus Leicester that doesn't get the same traction internationally sadly and and that's where the money comes from my my idea seem, might be a bit silly instead of having like the community shield and because i think i don't want to scrap the league cup although that would be the one that i would go for whoever wins the premier league at the end of the season because it's always going to be a top 6 team pretty much as you have outlined in your your facts the winner of the team that gets to the final of the League Cup, i.e. you take all Premier League teams out of it so they don't get involved in the League Cup. You have the league, you have the Championship, League One, League Two, whoever else it may be, drop down to whichever league it may be, plays in the League Cup. And then the winner of that plays the winner of the Premier League. So you have like a final between a big team and then a lesser team. I don't know. Those are radical changes, mm. and uh, there are some proposed changes afoot. And, and it's kind of <laughs> Kate raining it back in. <laughs> yes, yes, I am. I'm getting, I'm getting back on the sensible train now, everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the, but the, uh, a new deal for football is what it's been dubbed. This, this kind of initiative. Lots of big cheeses have met from the Premier League, FA, and EFL to, to sort of try and sort out fixture congestion was the main motivation. Um, and in that FA Cup replays, uh, it's proposed to scrap beyond the third round. That makes sense. Restricting teams in European competition to only fielding junior sides in the Carabao Cup, the League mm. Cup. That sounds interesting. Um, and there will always be tweaks, I think. But um, uh, predominantly, um, overall, Phil, will the FA Cup always be safe? Because it because it holds that very special historic meaning to a lot of fans will it always be safe personally i think it will or certainly for the foreseeable future um i do think something has to give in english football whether it's whether we see the community shield scrapped whether we whether we see that with the with the league cup where anyone in europe fields under 21 teams because the the schedule is so tight and i and I, and, and again, I, I've watched some fantastic FA Cup replays over the years. But it, again, if something has to give, I, I think that's that's a fair trade-off if, if we are to lose FA Cup replays. But I think that I, I'm 41, and I've and I've got 
fantastic FA Cup memories from the from the 90s and some of my great days out of, of being watching FA Cup ties and I think that history to a certain demographic it will will always be there the magic will always be there and when we see year on year we see fantastic results we see upsets and we see a big boy getting dumped out of the competition by someone lower down the ladder and that is will always be the FA Cup's appeal it isn't about the final between Liverpool and Chelsea or you know in years gone by two two big teams that that will that will hold global appeal but to me the interest in the in the FA Cup will always be the potential to surprise and and that that's why third fourth fifth rounds are the are the best rounds for me because that that's that's where the clubs can make transformative money and and that and that's that's what who the FA Cup really matters to still yeah, you mentioned Boreham Wood uh, last season, and that is a great example. Uh, Phil, we're going to leave it there with you. You're a busy man. Uh, we should let you get back to the grindstone, a news reporter for The Athletic. Phil Buckingham, thanks for joining us. No problem. Thank you. Our thanks to Phil Buckingham, football news reporter for The Athletic, who spends a lot of time covering the FA Cup. And in a few moments, we'll continue the conversation with the BBC commentator, Vicky Sparks. I've just made sure this Saturday afternoon when I'm on air at Sky that I'm definitely not staying on air longer than I had imagined because every Saturday we have Soccer Saturday all starts at 12 o'clock with all the big match build-up. We see Lindsay and Vision at a various uh, stadiums across the country and she's hoping that it's not going to be called off on, on, on one of the weekends she's working. Uh, that would be three a in a row, issue. that would be bad. I know. Um, at least if you find out before you've set off, you're okay. I found yeah. out whilst live on air that I was staying on air for an extra two hours because Soccer oh. Saturday didn't start until two o'clock. It was on from 12. So there's me with six early kickoffs in the FA Cup and having to do team news from 12 teams. I have never been so stressed in all my life. Having to do team news for Gillingham against Leicester, having to prep for Blackpool taking on Nottingham Forest. There was Boreham Wood at home as well, Burnley away to Bournemouth, yeah. Fleetwood Town were in action. Oh my gosh, I was literally, I was presenting on my own as well. Did have a couple of guests in the studio who basically saved my butt and a floor manager printing off all the teams and here's me trying to go <laughs> back through previous games how many changes have been made I know I was I, I don't even know who the manager is of one of these who manages Fleetwood you know and you just can't remember my head it exploded by the time I got off air and I, I didn't have Jeff Stelling's stat man there I did have an incredible uh, producer but yeah I, I didn't imagine being on air for four hours not realizing I was on for two extra on yeah. top of that just to add into uh, a Saturday morning, having done seven days in a row off the back of New Year, feeling a little bit rough around the edges. And that certainly woke me up for the and month. In you so go. there we and, go. Yeah. And you actually raise a really good point, Hayley, in that, you know, that is brilliant for you as a broadcaster to be across those, to be kind of made to be across those. And as fans too, mm -hmm. you know, we can, we can live in this Premier League bubble, can't we? And it's great when we've got this weekend, for example, you know, Preston sure. North End versus... Tottenham or you've got Walsall in action against Leicester City it means that our awareness is extended to teams where if we mm. don't follow a huge amount of football or we really only live in that Premier League bubble it means that our awareness has to be extended and that's and that's only going to be a good thing I still love the FA Cup as much as I used to and I think if you speak to most fans Same. 
They love it. We love the underdog story in this country. And whilst we're on that topic of, of FA Cup, and I know that we're getting Vicky Sparks ready in the background, but in terms of reporting, and I don't know whether this is the same for either of you, my favourite memories in, in this job are from the FA Cup. I was mm-hmm. at Southend mm-hmm. United when the lights went down and we all had our phones and lighters in the air. Um, I remember <laughs> that so so vividly, like it was yesterday. It was years and years ago now when I was doing BBC Final Score. And I actually have only ever done live commentary a, a couple of times for a short section of programmes. And it's been penalty shootouts in FA Cup matches, whereby you, you've just had to keep going. And I've, I've had a taste of what Vicky does on a regular basis. And yeah. I've only done five or six minutes of it. But they, they are memories from from my job that I would I would hate to see that those future journalists coming through wouldn't get to cover those matches yeah it has to be protected at all costs yeah and also for fans um the fa often does ticketing initiatives around fa cup games it's a chance to go and see your local team perhaps a chance Mm -hmm. to not pay sky high prices for a ticket and engage with your local team or your local area so yeah there's there is a kind of a big payback i suppose there for fans as well through the fa cup and you shouldn't forget that Well, let's bring someone in now who I bet has covered tens and tens of FA Cup games. I'm not sure that she's ever counted them up. BBC football commentator Vicky Sparks. Hi, Vicky. Hello. Great to be with you guys. Look, you are a veteran, really, I suppose, of FA Cup commentary. You will have seen all sorts uh, in your time in the game so far. I'll ask you the first question that I asked Phil Buckingham, actually. If we take a little step back and look at how the competition is appreciated by fans, by journalists, what's your view on where the FA Cup is at in terms of popularity and stability at the moment? Yeah, I, I suppose the first thing I go back to is is my own feelings about the FA Cup, which I, I don't mm. think have really changed. I mean, I, I grew up first as a, a football fan before <laughs> becoming a a football commentator and it was always a competition that I found incredibly special and I, I still think as as a fan still and as a commentator when FA Cup third round week comes and a weekend comes you you feel that excitement and I think for me then and now professionally it's all about the upsets and and what might happen and of course individual fans want to see their particular team do well of, of course you do that's a natural life of being a football fan but I, but I think that is what is has always been special for me about the FA Cup and so I think that's still the case because you still get those narratives and you still get those stories now again as a fan and then as a commentator I think the question in in recent years has always been about the strength of the sides that that teams put out particularly Premier League teams but also you look at championship teams I mean that league is so competitive and you know if you're trying to stay up in that league or get promotion to the Premier League and everybody in the championship seems to be doing one or the other (laughs) there's very few kind of mid-table teams are there that that just sit in mid-table so uh so you you know you see changes throughout the pyramid now but but I still think I mean, take, for example, Walsall playing Leicester in the fourth round this weekend. Uh, Walsall of, of League Two, Leicester City, of course, of the Premier League. No matter how many changes Brendan Rodgers makes, if Walsall 
managed to get a victory over Leicester. It, it won't matter a jot to them. And actually, what will go and people will say in context, yes, these changes were made, but it's still a League Two side knocking out a Premier League side, even if they did name mm. a second string. So, so I think for me, that excitement's still there. I think broadly across the spectrum, it, it, it probably varies. I would I would wager that that many fans still do look for those upsets and get the excitement and the romance of the competition, and others. Largely because of the relative strengths of sides, but also how you compare the FA Cup now to the Premier League or the Champions League or winning promotion from your respective division. Perhaps it has shifted in importance mm. for many people. So there's probably a spectrum. Hayley and I have put some wacky ideas forward um, for, for how we would... But but more our ideas were around the League Cup as well as the FA mm. Cup, to be yeah. honest. I think changing the League Cup will benefit the FA Cup, therefore Sort of making it as strong as it once was. I think there's too much going on right now, but I'll I'll let you continue with these ideas, Lindsay. <laughs> well, yeah, because I think from Vicky's, you know, from her expertise of being there and calling so many of these games, you might have seen things that we haven't from our roles. And I, I'm mm. wondering what improvements you think could be made to the FA Cup. Are any needed? And And that doesn't have to be decisions necessarily to do with replays and things like that. It could be the media coverage around it as well. Mm. I mean, I have to say, I mean, I'll, I'll give the, the Five Live perspective and, and the BBC perspective because I'm, I'm working for the BBC. I'm doing three FA Cup games over the weekend. Mm. And, and I think that that shows you certainly from a BBC perspective how much we love the FA Cup. I mean, I, I think I think the coverage of the FA Cup is is always thought very carefully about from a television and a radio perspective. It's, it's very much promoted it's it's a real focus for the organization and I know from speaking to other commentators I mean John Murray comes to mind I know it's one of third round in particular is one of his favorite weekends of the year because of the different stadiums you get to go to the different stories you might get and mm. I, I think there's there's an argument to to say you know of course we see different stories in the Premier League, which is the bulk of, of what we cover and, of course, what Arsenal are doing. And then you throw back to, you know, can, can they find a way to get back to the top of the game this season as they have done in, in previous decades? And, you know, th there are, there's a lot of great narrative around that. But they are, in many ways, the same stories that come around often in the Premier League. And I think the FA Cup just gives you a, a different chance and a different team to to bring to, to a network audience. But in, in t so it's a... It's a I'm not sure how much I would change because I think I still really enjoy it from from a, a, a commentary and a, and a fan perspective. I, I mean, if we did touch on replays, I know the suggestion to get rid of replays from the fourth round onwards instead of the fifth rounds. There is something about the FA Cup third round. And obviously you look at the financial knock-on effect that, that that would have and any mitigation that you would put on around that because, of course, it's it's brilliant for, for lower league sides to go and get a replay at a Premier League ground financially. That's, that's a huge boost for them, regardless of the prestige of going to somewhere like Old Trafford or Stamford Bridge or, or whatever, but but yeah. We also haven't sort of discussed how important it is that actually the FA Cup is free to view. So for a lot of kids mm. that don't mm -hmm. have Sky Sports or if the TV happens to be on and you happen to get drawn into a game, that happens during the FA Cup. And it's yeah. really important, I think, isn't it, for the future of the FA Cup that it remains free to view. It is, it is one of those special things um, about it, that it is free for all, which, you know, not to get too glib about it, but in a cost of living crisis, I think is it's actually really important, Vicky. Yeah, well, from my perspective, I am going to agree with that as someone that works yeah, primarily for the BBC. Of course, and I have gone but, very but quiet. 
but but I, I do think objectively and I'll bring something else in for this as well often when you, you read interviews with players that have come over to the Premier League they, they particularly you know in recent times they all talk about what a draw the Premier League is as a division mm. but if you go further back often the way that they fell in love with English football was the FA Cup now that might be a generation of players that you know because the Premier League is is distributed around so many countries around the world and you know you know I think the Premier League is probably drawing this younger generation of players in but but still I think the FA Cup has a place in in people's memories and, and people's minds that actually in, it can inspire footballers as, as much as anything else that actually there's something still special about coming to England and yes you play in the Premier League which arguably is the best division in the world but you also get to to feature in in the FA Cup now obviously for some players that won't be relevant but for for some I don't know I just remember still reading interviews where they they talk about mm. not just oh it's a great competition but their memories of FA Cup finals their specific links that they have it's not just a broad praise it's I remember watching this FA Cup final and this happened mm. and those sort of memories are, are key I, I have a memory in particular the first game I was allowed to go to on my own mm. with friends which was at Old Trafford and you mentioned Walsall it was actually January in 1998 it was a friend's 18th birthday and we all traveled from Teesside over to Manchester we got a 5-1 win it was great I mean I went there because like every sort of young girl was a bit in love with David Beckham we still love him now <laughs> but um, uh, Gary Neville was in the side Peter Schmeichel sorted us out with tickets um, so that was that was very helpful Andy Cole was in the side Ole Gunnar Solskjaer they both scored twice actually uh, I don't know who got the other goal I can't remember um, but it was absolutely brilliant I loved it and they won 5-1 and I went to see it on my own it was a big trip there it was a big trip it was absolutely freezing cold I do remember that and I do remember going sort of with a big group of people we were all sat in actually different parts of the ground because we'd got tickets in different ways and I kind of got probably a bit more dressed up for a football game than I would have I should have been in a puffer coat with warm gloves a woolly hat and probably Ugg boots which didn't exist at the time but no I, I went a little mm. bit dressed and it was absolutely freezing I was practically the glam squad arrived on the bus yeah. on the way back yeah that <laughs> yeah soon it was like the reality ah oh, okay because I'd used to be going I was very very lucky because I'd I would go to football with my dad and we there'd be a lounge to go to to warm up there'd be somewhere to go and I was like she oh, did okay, football yeah, very is, different it's, it's, to you and I Vicky it's, yeah it's it's concourse football I've got so to get used to we can to, basically and then credit carried on. credit credit the FA Cup <laughs> for giving Haley the real football experience yeah. Yeah. giving her That's you know it. crashing crashing exactly. down to earth the real fan <laughs> experience just on that I remember going and I wasn't a I mean we're never supposed to give away our allegiance as a commentator but I can confirm that I'm not a Farnborough fan no offense to Farnborough <laughs> but having grown up in in that sort of area I remember when they were drawn against Arsenal in the FA Cup and because they had such it was still at Highbury before Arsenal had moved to the Emirates mm. and because they had quite a, a big away allocation if you lived vaguely in the area you could you could get tickets so me and a few mm. friends thought what this is brilliant I mean we, we're not Farnborough fans mm. but how great to go and get to support a team like Farnborough at Arsenal and it was an absolutely brilliant experience I mean they got thumped 5-1 but when they scored that goal I mean the excitement in the stadium from that away contingent and I think even as somebody who didn't support that team it was just you could look around and see the fans that had stuck with Farnborough you know, year in, year out, decade in, decade out, decade out, and they had the best day of their lives. And and, and I still think that there is, 
there is still some of that magic and and some of that yeah. opportunity that you're never going to get for for certain teams mm. if you, you you know stuck with your local side the whole way through they're mm. never going to get up to the premier league you'll never get to go to these stadiums but the fa cup just has that magic around it you've reminded me actually when i was 2021 20, i used to be the announcer at chase town football club i think i got something like 50 pounds cash i, I used to love it <laughs> yeah that's good i know it's brilliant i probably have more than than now um yeah so i i went down and they had a, a run where they they drew cardiff city when dave jones was manager and that mm. was a huge tie for little chase town in the midlands so um that brings about that memory and um, before we let you go i would love to know from you when we talk commentary of the fa cup mm. what springs to mind straight away when you when you scroll back on some of the ones that you've done do you know what that is such a good question because this is the difficulty with commentary is that games just go out of your head so quickly (laughs) honestly as soon as you've done them so I would I would have to go back and because I can remember FA Cup ties that stand out but then I'm like was I there did I commentate on that one (laughs) Boreham Wood at Bournemouth last Last season season. I did that game and 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 again you've you've got this massive upset of a National League side being Mm. able to go away to a championship side who were flying in the championship at the time and get the upset and again you you just look at what it means to everybody involved with the club they had such a good run that year and and again you're 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 just sitting there and I remember Karen Carney and I were doing it and and the excitement that you know that they're ahead and the clock's ticking down and I think just as a commentator that is still the competition and, and still being able to do that in in a cup competition that is straight knockout i mean even when you think obviously the league cup is that as well but you know you go to the champions league you've got the six group games then you've got the home and away legs there is there are few games in football until you get to the end of the season or until you get to the really decisive things i mean we can say this result in the premier league even though it happened in you know arsenal manchester united that's a huge result for arsenal at the weekend even though it's in january but it's not fundamentally decisive and there's something still about that magic of knowing that this is this is all or nothing. And yes, you might go to a replay, but if they can hang on here, that's it. That's it for Bournemouth. Mm. And Boreham would have through mm. and they're making history. And all, you know, it's still, you know, if I think about that match, I'd, I get excited. Well, that is perhaps the magic of the FA Cup. We've made a few suggestions. We, by and large, still thoroughly are in love with the competition. Maybe there are a few tweaks to be made in the years to come. Uh, But I think it's safe to say, long live the FA Cup. Vicky Sparks, BBC Football commentator, thank you so much for joining us. And you can catch Vicky uh, across the BBC this weekend covering some of the games that she's been discussing. Uh, Thanks, Vicky. Speak to you soon. Catch you soon. Well, Lindsay touched on this a little earlier, but uh, an official plug from me for the Athletic Women's Football Show. Uh, this week, uh, Lindsay's joined by the former Lioness Laura Bassett and the Athletic Charlotte Harper to chat about women's football action or inaction, uh, as Lindsay mentioned earlier. Frozen was pitches. Uh, You're not just going to tune in and get tumbled. No, exactly, exactly. Um, plus, there's a discussion about whether El Clasico is a real rivalry in the women's game as it is in the men's game. And... Oh. 
uh, the team, Lindsay and the team are joined by the FA Cup topical top scorer Sammy Rowland uh, from fourth tier hashtag United. That's ahead of the WSL clubs entering uh, the fourth round of the FA Cup. Uh, so some really good discussions there. Do check it out, the Athletic Women's Football Show. Let's march on to a bit of any other business. Uh, Hayley, before the show, just a quick behind the scenes here for you listeners, uh, was very excited because she's got two epic Scotland stories, Hayley, for this week. Give us the first. We all know one okay. of them, right? We've seen it on the news. I think we might do, but I give it to it, us anyway I in th- all its glory. I think you are not, because I just think it's absolutely brilliant. And I'm a big fan of Scottish junior football. My grandfather played for a Scottish junior side when 90,000 fans turned up to watch the final. I've seen the open-top bus parades of these junior sides in and around um, uh, Scotland. It's very, very different to down here. A bit like, I guess, we have GAA over in Ireland, Scottish junior football is huge and very, very rarely do they cause an upset. In the sixth tier of the Scottish pyramid, Darvell, who knocked out the seven-time winners, Aberdeen, not only a Scottish premiership time, but seven-time winners, Aberdeen, who are on a great run at the moment uh, in the Scottish Premiership. Yeah, it's the equivalent of Telford United beating Tottenham. It's just incredible absolutely incredible and wouldn't it be great if they just went on a little bit of a run now so they're describing it in scotland and it's on the front pages of the headlines not just the back up there uh, the biggest shock in 150 years of Scottish cup history so there you go my other little one yeah this is a story that that made the headlines in in scotland it's a team called Inver fc near tain and they were absolutely shocked and are now appealing for information because there's been a theft at their playing field. Somebody's mm-hmm. stolen the gates. What? Somebody yeah. has stolen the gates. Yes. Either on Friday, January the 20th, oh, no. they say, or in the early hours of Saturday, January the 21st. Yep. It's an amateur village team. They reformed in 2019. They've been raising funds to repair the fence as part of this ongoing regeneration of, of Osprey Park. Beautiful location. It's used by children at the nearby Inver Primary School. Um, and, and they've said on their sta- uh, Facebook with a statement, sad to have to post this but some scumbag has stolen our gates if you've seen anything suspicious please get in touch and police scotland have got involved as well and saying you know we've received a report no yeah and and selling it off they think for scrap yeah well possibly what the heck if any of our listeners know anything do the right thing folks shop them in i know uh, whoever the rascals were a quick couple of bits from me um there's always been uh, a lot of conjecture about what gareth bale will do following retirement um and could that be golf could he make it as a professional golfer well maybe i say this teasingly he's on his way there he's announced that he's going to play in a pga tour event uh in just a few weeks time it's february's at&t pebble beach pro-am in california before you get too excited though Uh, He's not playing as a professional, of course. There are two tournaments, Mm. one's serious, one's not so serious and features kind of big name celebs and he'll be playing in that. But it'll be uh, a really good excuse to see what Gareth Bale can do. And I bet he's taking it seriously. I bet he's taking it very seriously. Could there be a career in golf, uh, a twilight career uh, for Gareth Bale? Who knows? It could still happen. And another little one for you here. Uh, Football history was made on Saturday. Did you know? Um, because a white card was shown for the first time. Do you know what, what the white card is for? Yeah. 
Oh, wow, now uh, you're testing us. Well, it recognises fair play. It's the oh, first sorry. time it was shown yeah. uh, during a match in Portugal, and, and, and I presume in many countries as well, actually. Um, obviously, you get red and, red and yellow cards. They're integral. They've been around for decades. Um, but the white one was introduced as a series of new initiatives uh, in Portugal. Uh, the referee, Catarina Campos, brandished the card during a, a women's cup clash between Sporting Lisbon and Benfica at the weekend uh, in a first for the game. So there you go, a card to recognise fair play how good was that in that case Kate then we need to reuse the terminology of how we talk about that because you can't say brandished no, a card I know, I know. when it is a good card flourished I know um, what, waved flourished awarded. demonstrated awarded yes. awarded a card yeah it's it's a reward isn't it for, for good go. behavior um I'm gonna just what an jump award in. that is <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean what do you actually get for it apart from know. the white card do you get any points? Respect. You can take the white card home with a few signatures on it. I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna weigh in as well on the Scotland um, theme. I do this occasionally for Haley. She likes to bring up some Scottish topics, Thanks. so I'll go in as well. Um, Michael Beale at Rangers has bought Todd Campwell. We've all we've always I spoken know. about Todd Campwell and what a prospect he is. Um, I'm sure Norwich mm-hmm. City fans um, recognise that that he had so much potential. I think most of the time he lived up to it, it wasn't always consistent, but there's certainly something there for Michael Beale to work on. And I wonder whether he will become the player that he's promised to be under him at Rangers. Yeah, he's talked about leaving the scars behind, hasn't he, after exiting yes. Norwich. So quite quite, quite kind of emotive language. Um, I hope for him it works out. Um, we'll leave it there, ladies. Uh, thank you so much to Lindsay and Hayley and to you for listening. Uh, don't forget you can send your feedback uh, about the show into us at Offside or Pod on Twitter mm-hmm. and Instagram. Um, until then, um, hopefully no more frozen pitches for you, Lindsay. I'm You're checking. I'm Vale, doing my Michael you? Fish again. I'm looking at the weather app for Cheltenham on Saturday and I think I might be okay. Cheltenham against Port Vale for Soccer Saturday. Hopefully. And for you, Hayley? Yeah, I am actually heading up north to go and spend a little time with my family, which would be lovely, and racing back down through the night on Monday to go straight into work bright and early on Tuesday for deadline day. But in the meantime, I'll be joy- I'll just be enjoying all the, the magic of the FA Cup. The magic. <laughs> well said, well said. Uh, well, thanks everyone for listening. And until next week, bye for now. You've been listening to the Offside Rule, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Offside at OffsideRulePodcast.com and by following at OffsideRulePod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. Athletic. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.